Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show on this 50th anniversary of Brewers Outlet, brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the Beverage Supermarket. Drive is performing tonight at Brewers Outlet. It's going to be a big party. 50th anniversary, come on down. And it's going to be a beautiful weekend and a touch of summer this weekend for Father's Day. Father's Day, great gift card ideas at Brewers Outlet. Father's Day. Okay. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. The pickle bar is second to none, led by the barrels and the dills. It's all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Happy 50th anniversary. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Yesterday, in a great moment, as a news director, Macatrillo received this Facebook message that Russia won in the World Cup. In the host nation and Saudi Arabia. Time from Salman. Back in again, free header! And Russia scored the only goal of the World Cup. It's Kaczynski who rises highest. And a better start the host nation couldn't have wished for. 11 minutes gone in the Luzniki Stadium. They had two buses outside the Russian locker room. One was a very plush one that uh, said Moscow on it. The other one was a school bus that had in uh, crayon uh, Siberia. That's... People are motivated in different ways, Matt. Different ways. This different is motivations. true. Different motivations. <laughs> All right. They're motivated for a World Cup, I guess. Well, they're motivated not to go to Siberia. <laughs> I'm sorry. I believe you might be going to a hard labor camp. Okay. What? But I'm a soccer player. You didn't win. Okay. See, it's all sorts of motivations, Matt. All sorts. Okay. Um, David Taylor, two-time NCAA champ, Penn State. Uh, Wrestling X coming up. Big, big one at Rec Hall this weekend. Jeff Byers, the voice of Penn State Wrestling, had an opportunity to talk with David Taylor this morning. David Taylor, former Penn State uh, great, and David is, of course, competing in the Final X event for a spot on the U.S. World Team this Saturday evening. The competition gets underway at 6 o'clock. David's match with Nick Renan, uh, best of three series, will cap off the evening's activities. And, uh, Mr. Taylor, always good to see you. Thanks for coming in this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. Good morning. Uh, David, Let's just talk a, a little bit about. We we're talking a little bit off air, so might as well talk a little bit of, about it on air. Just, to, I don't know what your thoughts are. I love the direction that freestyle wrestling is moving with the rules right now, and I think it's, to me, it's making it more relatable to the American wrestling fan, the the ones that are familiar with folk style. Well, first, I'd like to start and just say how excited I am to wrestle in, in Rec Hall and be home in State College for the first time in 
four years. February of 2014 is the last time I got to wrestle here. So, you know, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to be able to wrestle in front of my hometown, my home fan base. You know, and that's one of the things I think that, you know, at this point in my career, I don't wrestle folk style anymore, and I do wrestle freestyle. And I think that a lot of people are excited to watch me and to follow me, but they're not really sure what I'm doing or what freestyle is. And freestyle is, is the sport that's, or that's the style that's competing in the Olympic Games and the World Championships. Um, I would say that right now the rule changes uh, are the best they've been in a really long time. I think in the old rules was a best two out of three format where you had to win two of the three periods. Um, it was a lot more strategy involved, and I think the best wrestler won maybe 50% of the time. Yeah. It was a lot of times it was a ball grab. It was strategic. It was one push out. There wasn't a lot of scoring going on, and that did not favor me in my style as I was trying to transition to freestyle. Um, when this when these new rules came in place, now it's two three-minute periods. So a three-minute period with a 30-second break, three-minute period, cumulative scoring. Uh, a tech fall is 10 points. So at 10 points, the match is over. Falls remain the same. Uh, I'd say the biggest thing with freestyle, um, and we talk, we hear this a lot with folk style right now that they would like it to be implemented, um, is the push-out rule. So on freestyle, um, you'll see this weekend, though, in the circle, there'll be um, like a two-foot, uh, uh, well, this weekend's a white barrier towards the outside of the um, out-of-bounds line. That's called the zone. Yep. Um, basically, once you get pushed out-of-bounds, you'll, you'll receive a point if you're on your feet. If you're grounded, there'll be no point. So that's, I'd say, the biggest um, difference in folk style versus freestyle is that edge wrestling. You know, in folk style, for a long time, you're rewarded by evading takedowns going out of bounds. They've changed that a little bit with a stalling call, but that's where a lot of the judgment comes in now. Um, And freestyle, it's a little bit more cut and dry. I mean, if you get pushed out of bounds, you have a point. If you're grounded, if, you know, we're both in on a shot, we're on our knees, a point typically isn't awarded. So the really, you know, there's three referees. Um, you know, two of the three have to agree on the call. So um, I'd say that is a big change. And the other one um, that is different is, you know, in folk style, to, you know, to get back points, you need to two swipe. Um, and folks, in freestyle, it's just an exposure past 90. So if you expose your back, you're giving up two points. If you get taken down from your feet to your back, you're giving up four points. So I think once you have an understanding of the rule scoring and freestyle, it's actually really easy to follow. On, you know, folk style with all the scrambling and the rolling on their legs and the scrambles, they're exciting. But, um, you know, that's why I think, you know, sometimes it gets frustrating as a fan. Be like, wow, we just watched two minutes and guys are rolling across their back and rule change after. And freestyle, you're forced to wrestle without exposing, yeah. without getting pushed out of bounds. So a lot of that three-minute period takes place with continual wrestling. There's not a lot of stoppages, not a lot of stalemates. Um so it's uh, as I've done this, you know, I really enjoy wrestling freestyle, and I think it's very fan friendly. You know, I think there's there's always going to be your, um, you know, some things happen where maybe you know people are going to question the calls and things like that. But for the most part, I think in this, you know, I think it's very uh, enjoyable, and I think the Penn State crowd who aren't educated in freestyle are going to really enjoy it this weekend. Plus, you get to watch some really great wrestling. Yeah, some really great wrestling. Again, Joey McKenna and Logan Steber, Kyle Dake versus Zahid Valencia, and then David Taylor and Nick Raiden on the men's side. We have Carol, uh, Kayla Miracle against Mallory Velti, Aaron Clodgo and Rachel Waters, and then Adeline Gray and Karene Bullock uh, taking on each other in women's action. Uh, so six spots in all on the U.S. World Team will be decided on Saturday night at Rec Hall. Uh, when you get to... 
the stage that you are where you're on the, the world team. How much of your training is done here in State College? How much is done out of the Olympic Training Center? And how much is done at, at other places where you're seeking out uh, other training opportunities with uh, different folks that you might not otherwise get to train with here or out at Colorado Springs even? Well, I'd say I might be one of the luckiest guys in the world, uh, You know, definitely in the United States, with you know my training at Penn State is second to none. You know, with the coaching staff that we have. So, I mean, Casey Cunningham has kind of been my coach that I've wrestled with since I was in college, and that hasn't changed. You know, being bigger now, um, I get to wrestle with Kale uh, a lot more, having Jake Varner available. So just our coaching staff alone, and then you throw in, you know, I'm right in the gauntlet of our, you know, our five national champions, plus all the other guys that we have on our team, the young kids coming up. Um, you know, so it's just I have a amazing group of partners here. So, you know, I would say that I do a lot of training here. Um we have national team commitments. Basically, once the world team is established, so after this weekend, we have a. That's when our commitments pick up for you know like national team things where we have to travel to Colorado Springs or this year we may have a, uh, a satellite camp in um, South Cal or Southern California. Okay. Um, and those are things that are kind of required based on the national team. But I would say that the majority of my training takes place here. The thing that's different again about freestyle is. I compete probably. I try. I compete more frequently probably than most guys do. I made that adjustment in the last two years. I looked around. I said, you know, what are these guys doing that are winning world championships? You know, how many matches they're wrestling? And I thought that most of the guys wrestle 25 to 30 matches a year, um, which kind of brought me back to my collegiate, where I thought I've wrestled my best in my career is when I was getting those 30 matches a season to prepare for the NCAs. Now I can take that 25 or 30 matches. I can spread it out usually every six to eight weeks. So I compete. Um, I have like a week to kind of recover, and I have that five to six to seven weeks of training and building before I compete again. So my ch that's the biggest probably change in my schedule than it was before. Um, I really try to mold my schedule where I try and stay here as much as I possibly can and not get distracted leaving town because I feel like this is where I get my best training and my best preparation. And since doing that, I've had my best results. How much of a challenge is it for you to – I guess manage that time, and I, I realize uh, you had your hands full managing your time in college as well. But you are somebody that uh, I think very much in the the mold of Cal is looking to grow the sport, and and that is uh, a, about more than just you and, and your development. And we see that with what you're doing with the the kids programs. But how difficult, I guess, do you find it to make sure? Okay, yes, I am doing what I need to do to get where I need to be, while also trying to help the the wrestling community and in particular the the kids. Well, I say it's definitely a challenge. I think you know, I think between my path to being a world Olympic champion. Um, is really a lot of it has to do with myself and not drawing myself too thin. I get, I can easily get, um, I wouldn't say distracted, but I have a lot of pokers in the fire at all times. Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, I want to be able to do as much as I possibly can at this point in my career. Why I'm still competing, you know, and we're also trying to build, uh, you know, what we want to do the rest of our life. So I think there's a fine line of, man, a lot of people said you need to sacrifice everything you need to do to be the best in the world. And I believe that. But I believe that there's a lot of time during the day that can be used doing other things at the same time. So it's utilizing that time appropriate. You know, there's times when I'm um, – I actually had to make an adjustment six weeks ago. So for the last – my first competition in December, since December, um, my wife and I uh, well, have started and opened uh, a cold press juice company in town, K2 Roots. We just opened our new store like two weeks ago. Um, 
uh, myself and Mark McKnight and Eric Thompson. We have a wrestling club called Entry Training Center. That's we just actually we started in Julian, Pennsylvania in October, and we just moved to a new facility in Pleasant Gap, Pennsylvania. So both of those are are growing quickly, and 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 our, and our training center, um, we have the opportunity to really. We're seeing a big improvement in the kids that we've been working with. The kids that have been coming since October, um, Mark and Eric do an awesome job. You know, knowing that my biggest barrier to that is, I mean, I really wanted to be able to impact kids and share my knowledge with them, but I knew that my, I'm going to be traveling a lot. Yeah. So I knew right away, uh, you know, Mark and Eric were essential to that, and they do a great job, um, amazing job. And these kids are continuing to get better. In the last couple of months, kids, our kids that uh, had been beaten a couple of months ago are starting to beat four or five or six kids that they were losing to. So uh, it's really exciting to see their progress, and that's really exciting. And I want to be there as much as I possibly can, you know, and, and I have to balance, obviously, my training commitments and my recovery with that of so we're always communicating and trying to continue to have a consistent curriculum that we're help feeding those kids. So, um, and, and, you know, I guess to you know, kind of get back to your question to kind of fill in. It's just that time commitment is uh, to me. I want to do. I want to be the best in the world. That's no question. And but I also want to be able to use my time to be able to do as much as I can at this point in my career and help people. You know, I have a big following. I have a big reach. Um, I have a lot of knowledge that I've been able to gather from being around a lot of great coaches and partners and people over time, and I'd like to be able to spread that to people at the same time. So, Talk about the role of analytics uh, and uh, how that plays into your training. I, the rest and recovery, the strength training, the diet, the sleep, I mean, it, it all, uh, again, factors into trying to perform at your optimum. Yeah, I think that's, you know, especially for me, for most of my career, I just was stubborn in belief that if I just wrestle all the time, I don't really need to lift weights. Um, you know, I didn't really have a great diet. I, I had a horrible diet for most of my collegiate career. Um, but at this level, at the professional level, we were talking about the slimness of margin. You know, in the Olympic Games, right, every four years, only six guys from the United States make the Olympic team. So one per weight class every four years. So that's such a small margin. So it's like, you know, why not put all your resources into trying to be at your best you possibly can be? So um, when I decided to probably the best decision I made in my career is going from 74 kilos to 86 kilos. Yeah. Um, and that was, uh, you know, that was a scary jump. You know, that was a, you know, from 163 pounds, 189. So that's a 26 pound weight class jump. Um, but since making that the best I perform, the best I feel, I walk around right around 200 pounds. When I made that jump, um, I talked to Coach Casey, and I was like, hey, you know, I really need to dedicate some time to the weight room. Um, I've really never lifted before, and that's going to be essential. So um, uh, Coach Casey uh, worked with Sam Calvita in California, with, uh, who works at the training lab, when he when he competed. And since developing that relationship with, with Coach Cal in California, I work remote with him, and he monitors really everything. And talk about analytics, um, he has algorithms that are built into every aspect of what I do. So it's very very finely detailed from my sleep and recovery, my heart rate variability, my strength and conditioning, um, I mean, my nutrition, everything that goes in and out of my body is monitored with Sam. And, um, you know, why, you really question, you know, why not put that in? If that makes the smallest of difference of, you know, feeling better in the last 30 seconds or having a more explosive burst in the first 30 seconds, it's, it's well worth it. So, um, I put a lot of time and effort into that, and uh, it's pretty detailed. You know, I would be way too much to be able to explain right now, but um, it's it keeps me on on task and it keeps me excited to go in there and continue trying to build all the time.
Nick Renan, how much do you know uh, about him? I don't know that the, there are a lot of folks, uh, I think, that were surprised that he's uh, in the, the finals here against you. Obviously, a Pennsylvania kid uh, and at North Carolina State. But at, how much do you know about his game, and, and what are some keys from your standpoint uh, going into the matchup here on Saturday night? I mean, he's young and he's hungry. You know, he's, he has had a good a good season this year. You know, he, he had started off a little bit of struggles, and he really came on towards the end of the year at the U.S. Open, the World Team Trials. Richard Perry is a very tough competitor, to, so to beat him two matches in a row, I mean, he's definitely battle-tested and, and excited to be there. So I think um, whenever you wrestle an opponent at this level, you know, they're ready to wrestle. There's no reason to overlook anybody. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm uh, – I'm ready to step on the mat, and I feel uh, really prepared, and I'm excited to wrestle. No matter who it is, um, I feel I can control what I want to do, and I'm going to wrestle really high pace. I'm going to take a lot of shots, and I'm going to try and put a lot of points on the scoreboard. And I feel prepared to be a world champion, and this is just uh, a step. You know, be able to go out and wrestle as hard as I possibly can um, this weekend and uh, continue to move on to the next, to the next goal. From a team perspective, uh, how impressed are you with what the United States has right now? This is uh, arguably uh, the best freestyle team uh, last year and, and now heading into this year that uh, the U.S. maybe top to bottom has ever had. Well, I think, you know, just again, it's kind of a little background. You know, six weight classes for the Olympic Games in 2016. Uh, we went to eight weight classes shortly after that. So we were to spread, you know, from six weight, and all those guys spread almost every 20, 25 pounds. They added two weight classes, so some guys were able to spread out. And then this year was the first year they actually added 10 weight classes. So what was in six is now spread out to 10. Um, so I think that, you know, the depth in the weight classes has decreased a little bit, but the guys that are making the team right now are, we can compete for world championships right now at, at pretty much every weight class. So, you know, to be able to compete with, um, you know, the European countries, you know, that's definitely what we need. And, you know, last year was, uh, you know, we were able to, we won the world championship as a team last year, which is exciting. And I feel that this year our team is, is very strong. You know, we wrestled great at the World Cup with 10 weight classes. Um, so it's just, I mean, every, every country is going to be prepared. Every country is going to put together their best lineup. Um, but I believe, you know, I really believe in our country, and um, I'm just excited to have the opportunity to represent it. I know a lot of folks are excited about having the opportunity to see you compete again at Rec Hall. And again, it'll be uh, David going against Nick Renan this Saturday night. Uh, the Final X event gets underway at 6 o'clock. There are still limited tickets available uh, for the event at Rec Hall. And, David, really appreciate your taking the time this morning. We'll uh, definitely follow up with you after the event and uh, wish you the best of luck uh, moving forward. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Byers with David Taylor. One of the greats in the history of Penn State wrestling. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, great to have you with us. Uh, Dustin Johnson, nobody's threatening him at the U.S. Open right now. He uh, finished the day at 3-under, 60-70, is 4-under for the tournament. Uh, to say that he is in really good shape would be an understatement. Now he has to keep it up, but he's had two sub-70 rounds. The cut line is at 9-over par right now. Tigers finished at 10-over. 
So that's where we are. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. The Beverage Supermarket. 50th anniversary party tonight. Go on out. Have a great time. The band Drive will be there. Great, great time. Oh, and the pickle bar. Hey, look, take my word. In fact, you're, you're going to the 50th anniversary party. Take my word. Pickle bar second to none. Enjoy it. Barrels on the dills. Dustin Johnson, four-shot lead over Scott Piercy, Justin Rowe, Ian Poulter. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show on the 50th anniversary of Brewers Outlet is brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Big 50th anniversary party going on right now. Drive is performing. How about that? And it's going to be a... Tonight's beautiful. Tomorrow's supposed to be really nice. Summer-type weather, Sunday, Monday. You want to stock up at Brewer's Outlet. Nice, cold beverages. A selection of beer. Imports, domestics, microbrews, wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. Pickle Bar is second to none. All at Brewer's Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And I am in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, Dustin Johnson, 367 today. Four-shot lead at the U.S. Open. He's the only one under par. Uh, even par, Scott Piercy, Justin Rose, and Ian Poulter all at even. Uh, then... Uh, Ricky Fowler is now at two over. Phil Mickelson, Jordan Spieth at eight over. Cut line is at nine. Tiger Woods, ten over. So the odds of Tiger making the cut grow slimmer and slimmer as the afternoon turns to evening. An individual in life, Matt, that has rarely had afternoon turn to evening because he's just the life of the party always, my brother. Hey, man, what up? <laughs> right on cue. How's it going? Everything's going well. So everything's you know, fine. this is the first time since Tiger's come back that I've said he's just an average golfer with everybody else now. I, I thought he could make a run, but the old Tiger on a tough course like this would have eaten it up and left everybody else watching him. He'd, he'd have a 10-stroke lead. And he's just another guy out there struggling. No. Well, it's interesting because he's playing with the guy that plays now like he used to. He played in the same group with Dustin Johnson. Yeah. He's good. Um, boy, they had a tough day yesterday, huh? 1,400 bogeys, <laughs> something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, no, it, look, the, when the wind's up, there are no trees on that course, so there's nothing to stop it. And you know, this, is, this is where a guy like Johnson excels. He is number one on the tour this year in strokes gained off the tee. And we all know that he hits the a ball mile. country mile. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the stat that a lot of people don't realize. He is second on the tour in the fewest three putts this season. Really? Boy, he's changed his game. 
His wife he's, saved it. Did he marry her? Yes, he did. Yeah. She saved his life. He, she, he buckled down for her, you know. I like the story. It's pretty good. Yeah, so, no, it's it's yeah. it's meant a lot to him. Uh, Mary Wayne Gretzky's daughter, for those who don't realize. Yeah, but uh, aside the point, but no, um, I'm just I'm identifying her that people people know who she is. I think people do know who she is. So. Yeah, but um, yeah, he he had some real difficulties, and he stepped away, got himself straightened out, and came back. Good for him, because he's good. Man, yeah, no, because people forget he was suspended for what six months, yeah, uh, like three years ago. Well, he's also did one of the classiest things on a golf course. I think it was the U.S. Open where he fouled, and nobody ever would have known. And, and he, reported he brought himself. it to the yeah, he reported it himself, and nobody ever would have known, you know. And he lost the tournament. That was pretty classy. So. But anyway, what else is up? Well, here's one for you. Uh, the Eagles gave out their Super Bowl rings last yeah, night. 120 diamonds on it. <laughs> listen to the, listen to this story though. Chip Kelly, there had been a secretary, been the head coach's secretary for 30 years. 30. Yeah. So right just after Dick Vermeil left, they hired her. And she, you know, she was the secretary for Marion Campbell, for Buddy Ryan, for Andy Reid. Then Chip Kelly comes in in 2013 and fires her. So she's out of the organization five years. They wow. shocked her last night and they gave her a Super Bowl ring. Wow, that's a good story. Yeah. Uh, that's hey, good. That, that is. That, you know, tells you everything about how classy an organization is when they do that. Yeah, I'm not crazy about what they did with the White House. You can't tell me that was classy. Well, I'm saying, though, but giving her the ring. Oh, yeah, that's that's nice. But what they did with the White House was Bush League. I don't... They played a game with it. I don't like that at all. I don't don't care if anybody doesn't like what I'm saying. (laughs) I know I'm (laughs) in a Philadelphia area, but that's just... You know, it's the White House, man. You don't make a mockery out of it. And they did. So, classy thing with the ring, unclassy thing with the White House. That's all. I got nothing else. Go ahead. Well, that's, that's, you know, I mean, that's the, that's like Howie Roseman, the general manager. Those guys, actually, you know, and Doug Peterson, you know, and they were going, they were going to go. But uh, let's see, eligibility rules for the NBA draft are, they're looking at the possibility of maybe letting, uh, of changing the eligibility rules. And what, age-wise? That, well, I think they may let high school players, if you graduate from high school, in the draft instead of one and done. Look, they don't want to do it. I mean, they don't want, the NBA does not want to change the draft rules. Why? They don't want to scout AAU in high school games. They want to go to the Duke, North Carolina, see five prospects, and then move on. They'd have right. to all hire five more scouts apiece. That's what I've been told. They'll probably have to hire five more scouts apiece in order to go back to the old way of doing things. Yeah, but this one and done in college has turned the NCAA into a just a business, and that's it. Oh, These I kids agree don't with go that. To class. 
they don't go to class at all. They take a couple classes that are easy, and, you know, they, they get a free ride. I know they make school a lot of money and all that, but it's kind of like out of control because everyone says, well, what's the big deal? But there's other schools that are academically, um, they, they, they follow the rules, and they can't compete. And I heard a coach, and I forgot his name. This is, goes back to when that guy out in the Midwest was, um, his phone got tapped and all that stuff. Um, he said, we can't compete. He said, uh, he has recruits, kids that he recruits, and they sign letters of intent and all that, and Duke or somebody comes along, sweeps them right up, and they're gone. And it's... I think you just explained really UConn. Fun I, I, sport into, I mean, seriously, I how is Penn State gonna? How can Penn State possibly compete on the Duke level unless they're going to let kids go one and done? Well, one and dones only go to a certain. It's interesting. One and dones can work two ways. They obviously can win for you, such as Kentucky and Duke. Right. Right. They also can get you fired. I mean, Dennis Smith was a one and done at North Carolina State and ended up being the sixth overall pick in the draft. But NC State did not play well with him as their point guard. They didn't win a lot of games. So Godfrey right. got fired. What it was, I mean, because believe me, it can cut both ways. Hmm. Is the recruiting solely on the head coach? Well, the assistant coaches all go out and they, along with the head coach, recruit, work. To me, the head coach is always the closer. Right. The one, the one that goes in, and in the end, they get you. You know, you're the, that's the last one. James Franklin is an awesome closer. Yep. Um, I think Patrick Chambers has become an awesome closer. I think three of his last four recruiting classes, he's knocked it out of the park. And the other one is actually a recruiting class that helped fill gaps. May not be a knock-it-out-of-the-park group, but you know, Jamari Wheeler, John Harrod, Trent Buttrick fill gaps. The other recruiting classes are, whoa. I mean, that's how they ended up winning 26 games this year. They recruited the right way. But the, the, now, does... In other words, he's passing out a lot of money when he's given these scholarships. Is like Franklin? Who does he report to that he's going to do this? The to athletic director. Hey, he's given a scholarship to this. Do they have to present the list before they just present offer the scholarships? Well, they have to get. They have to show transcripts to show that they're eligible. Right. You know, did, who does did he they answer to the athletic director? Compliance. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. athletic director is his boss. So Sandy Barber is James Franklin's boss, is Patrick Chambers' boss. And then yeah, there's, I'm just curious. You know, right, and Phil Eston, works, Phil Eston works directly with football. Lynn Holleran works directly with basketball. But there's also a compliance department, too, where they look at transcripts. And when they look at the transcripts, did you take the core courses required by the NCAA? Did you get the grade point average required by the NCAA? What's your SAT score look like? 
I mean, so they, they have to go through all of that to make sure that you are qualified to be a part of the university. I didn't make it in. <laughs> I tried. I, I, I was James Franklin and I were in Scranton uh, two weeks ago. Matt, that sounds right. Right, maybe three weeks ago. I believe so. Yeah, I think it was yeah, two three weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah, and so James and I were there, and they honored a scholar athlete from the Penn State Scranton campus, and they explained how he's on the soccer team and he had a four point oh. So when they were done honoring him, I got up. I said, hey, 4.0. I said, pretty impressive. I said, you know, Jack Ham and I combined for a 4.0. <laughs> you actually got almost a 4.0. <laughs> Don't you tell did. Jack that. All right. Well, we'll take a break. We've got one more segment with Kevo in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet. Hey, don't just celebrate the 50th anniversary there. Pick up some beer, wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. And many a wager has been settled over the pickle bar. <laughs> some not yet, but many have. <laughs> hey, I was thinking, could I trade one of my pickles for a bag of peanuts? Of course you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. I Love think that. I want to do that. So whenever y'all get around to it, I mean, at yeah. least before next season. Absolutely. <laughs> Some Sometime before, yeah, we'll get it to you. Promise. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, okay, on, my, on my way through, I'm just going to throw the bag out the window. <laughs> I'll be like a chipmunk crawling around getting them. Here's one. Here's one. <laughs> no, well, I think uh, I want a mix of pickles and peanuts. Perfect. I want to go to that place, Brewer's Outlet. That That's nice. Like, I yeah. like that place. Oh, it's a really uh, cool place. Next Hopefully time we go people... up there, I'm going there. So. Well, I hope a lot of people are, are going tonight to the 50th anniversary celebration. That's great. 50 uh, years, man. Yeah, tells you a lot. Your business that long, that tells you a lot. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I, I know you wanted to pass along your deepest condolences to Sean. Oh, I was Sean. up at the oh. at the uh, at the ceremony this morning. Uh, I went up there. Roger was there. Tom and Laura were there. I thought I'm it was to... private. Mm. Uh, well, you got to hold everybody to let them know that it was, it was just a, it was in a, in a tiny chapel on the grounds of the cemetery. Yeah. So I mean that that was it, and Sean gave a beautiful, beautiful eulogy. Really. Uh, I'm trying to think, Matt. Is, who wasn't there? Um. I don't, I don't know. There. I. Somebody who claims he's a really good friend of his and just was a no-show. All right, so, okay, that's a, you know, I think we can all assume who that was. Assume? <laughs> no-show. No. I'd have gone. You told me it was a private ceremony. Well, it, it lasted 30 minutes. I don't think it would have been worth you driving seven hours no. for 30 minutes. He's my friend. I felt really I bad. You, you wouldn't believe what I did. Uh, it... I felt so bad. He sent me a text and said, uh, Matt would be the producer today. 
and he sent a text like on Monday or Tuesday, I forget which day. And I'm not really savvy when it comes to that stuff, so I opened it and I said, I said, okay, I miss you, buddy. Something like that, and that's it. I well, missed yeah. the, te- I, but I missed the text he sent before it that told me his uh, mother died. And I, yeah. four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm sitting here and I say, oh, I got another text message. Not many people contact me. <laughs> I said, oh, it's Sean again. <laughs> and I open it, and it was the first text he sent. And I said, oh, oh my God. You know, his mom passed away, and I say, okay, see you soon, buddy, you know. So I texted him back and gave my condolences. He gave gave a super, super eulogy today. Really great. Well, the guy can flat out speak. He's got a great voice. Uh, But he's a wonderful man. Yes, he is. He is a gentleman. He defines yes. gentleman, and I feel really bad that his mom died. You and me know what that's like. Oh, sure. Sucks. Well, it sucks, but... Yeah. Was it... Can I ask, was it expected, or was it uh, sudden? I, yeah, I think, yes, it was expected. Okay. It was ex- yeah, so it, it was... Let's leave it at that. I was just yeah, curious. That's yeah, all. she's in a better yeah. place now, so it's, yeah. that's, that's good. But he'll be back with us next week. You know, it's, I mean, we're not shoving Catrillo to the curb. Matt actually has another job. No. So. <laughs> yeah, a little busy on the news side, but always happy to step in on the show. Oh, although we had a good time this week. I did actually. I well, I'll be back. Um, I'll be back with you guys next week. I'm doing the show Thursday and Friday for Sean next week. Oh, good. Okay. So be back. Oh, so I'll you're back actually back this week. Yep. I think we should right. start up trivia again. Yeah. Why not? That'd be fun. Okay, be ready with trivia. All right, we each come up with like three questions each, right? Yep. Okay. I'm hey, all in. I, I think like I'm going to Williamsport tonight because I have the first game of the season tonight. Yeah. Did you see who's going to be there on Sunday, Matt? I did not. Jose Canseco. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Any reason? How about that? Promotional. Hmm. Throwing out the first pitch? <laughs> uh, I probably, yeah. Oh, wow. But uh, no, that's that that's a terrific promotion. Wow. Well, Barry Limeberg, who's the first pitch, uh, twice. Really? Where? Uh, in Altoona and here in State College. Wow, how cool is that? Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, you really made the... it when you throw out the first pitch. <laughs> <laughs> 